What is up, guys? <laughs> it's the combat addict, and I am here. <laughs> it has been a full two weeks since we have done an MMA podcast. It's really hot in my room, and I think it's because I was eating so hard, so fast, that I rose the temperature of my body. I have actually worked up a sweat, I'm sure, eating dinner, and then also chocolate-covered almonds in succession with no breaks. Because I am disgusting. Anyways, man. UFC is pretty... Pretty wild right now. We got one thing I want to talk about that has nothing to do with the UFC. And everything to do with Michael Chandler. But I guess, I mean, it does have something to do with the UFC. Because he's talking about mixed martial arts generally. And I guess we'll start with that. Michael Chandler in a video said something about how jiu-jitsu as a martial art for MMA is really not as important as people make it out to be. People seem to think that you need to do like six or eight hours of jiu-jitsu a week if you want to compete in MMA, and he's just saying that's not true. Before he fought and beat Eddie Alvarez, he had focused on striking and wrestling. Barely any jiu-jitsu was done. He didn't even work strength and conditioning that much when he started out training, generally, right? His point is something like, you really just kind of have to know like the basic submissions and how to escape them. You don't need to know how to throw up a triangle or an arm planta or all of these crazy fucking submissions that nobody ever gets anyways. We've seen two twisters in UFC history, period. I don't know where the fuck else we've ever seen a twister because I haven't seen it anywhere else. He says that the chances of somebody getting a submission off of their back is something like 5%. Right? This guy was a Bellator lightweight champion. I watched him fight Eddie Alvarez, and that was a fucking war. If you want to see that fight, YouTube is a great resource. Just type in Michael Chandler versus Eddie Alvarez. You'll find it. This opinion, though, shocked me. And at first, I was like, Michael, well, what are you talking about? What are you saying? How are you going to argue that jiu-jitsu, which is the martial art that the UFC was constructed to show off, was the martial art that won the very first UFC championship 
the very first UFC, how are you going to say that this martial art is the one that you can probably just do without for the most part? I mean, you could just learn how to not get choked out, not get, you know, arm barred or knee barred, and you'll be fine. And then I heard his arguments, and I thought, okay, well, I mean, he just told me that he really didn't train much jujitsu before he beat Eddie Alvarez. I mean, that's going to mean something, right? Not only that, point well taken. How many triangle submissions have we actually seen? I'm so serious. Like in the last, in the last year, just, just name one triangle submission. Just one. So many attempts, but how many actually have succeeded? What we're usually looking at in the UFC for any kind of tapping is like arm bars, the Darce choke, which is interesting to me that the Darce choke actually people get more frequently than a triangle. Guillotines, obviously, and rear naked chokes. Everything else, like, I mean, like, Alma Plantas and Camoras and Americanas, like, people don't really get those. People barely get ankle locks. It's only recently that I've started to see people get them more. I've only seen a successful knee bar one time, I think, recently, and it was, it was fucked up. It was the queen of violence, like, just ripped this bitch's leg right off. But otherwise, like, knowing all of these submissions is great and all, but we don't actually... Like, people don't actually seem to successfully pull them off. I mean, even head and arm, head and arm triangle chokes. Where you gotta be in side control. It's almost like people are, like, incapable of actually getting to the side control position that would allow them to finish the choke. And I guess that's why jujitsu is, like, it's, it's seen as, as such a, such a strategic martial art you really have to take every step very seriously and if you can get to the level where you can set submissions up as they say that people do i've never really set a submission up i've just gone for submissions that are open then you know it's it's pretty fucking incredible when you can do that but even like jujitsu aces Charles Oliveira and uh, Brian Ortega. It's like the, the submissions that they do get are like the basic ones, like fucking guillotines and shit, right? That's how Charles Oliveira beat the Motown Fimam. That's how uh, Brian Ortega beat uh, Cobb Swanson. And so it's just kind of like... When you, when you think about it like that, like that perspective that he brings up, you're like, damn, does this guy have a point? Like, that's actually... Because, I mean, if the idea is that you just have to kind of know how to do them and how to get out of them, like, once you know that, like, what exactly is it that you're training when you train jiu-jitsu? Uh... Hey man, look, I'm not, I'm not, 
I'm not the authority on this, obviously, but my personal opinion, I guess, is something like at some point, you're going to come across somebody who knows some shit that you don't know. If you just learn all that basic stuff. Or you're going to come across somebody who can wrestle just as good as you can, but they've actually been training their jujitsu. In that scenario, you are at a severe disadvantage. Can we agree that if I'm going to, you know, grapple with somebody off of the street and I've got a year of jujitsu training and they have none, that I am going to crush them every time, basically? Even if they're like some huge muscle head juice piggy and they get me on my back. The ability for me to to turn a Kimura on, on somebody who has no idea what a Kimura is, when a Kimura is being set up, or the ability for me to even sweep them is just so much, so much higher, and it's so much easier for me to do that, that it's like, I guaranteed I'm going to fucking crush them every time. So just kind of try to relate that to two wrestlers who are in a fight and they get on the ground. You're a wrestler and you're on the bottom. But you didn't train your jiu-jitsu. So you're trying to get up from out from under me, but I'm just holding you in place. And because I understand jiu-jitsu better than you do, your basic escapes that you learned are not going to work on me. Because I've been training to combat those basic escapes. So now you have a situation where even if you have the strength to, to muscle your way out of a position, it's like that doesn't even benefit you because I know what techniques to use to keep you on the ground or what I need to do to capitalize on your situation. At some point, you're going to need the jujitsu. Like, my point basically is this. At some point, you're going to need it. Like, somebody's going to come along, and they're going to be so capable with respect to that martial art that if you don't know it, like, you better make sure that you can stay up off of the ground. If you can stay up off of the ground indefinitely, then you don't need to train any jujitsu. But eventually, somebody is going to come along, and they're going to be able to take you down there. And if you don't know what you're doing... In an advanced sense, you're going to be at a huge disadvantage when somebody has advanced jujitsu techniques. Now, I guess his point is that people don't end up using advanced jujitsu techniques. So maybe he would say something like, okay, like, so even if this guy is an advanced jujitsu practitioner, it doesn't really matter. Because even if he gets me to the ground, there's nothing that he knows that is so above basic jujitsu that I'm not going to be able to somehow combat it and get back up to my feet. Okay. Let's say that that's true, right? Let's say that that's true, that he's really not going to be able to pull off any of these advanced jujitsu techniques in an MMA fight. If you don't practice the basics regularly enough, does knowing the basics even mean anything? Like, if you aren't regularly practicing hip escapes and and escaping um, guillotines, arm bars, etc., are you really 
You understand? It just seems to me that It seems to me that if you neglect something like jujitsu, it's not just going to come to you because you know what you should do. Like you actually have to do it over and over and over again to solidify that the techniques. Like it, you can't just, oh, well, I know how to do this now. I don't have to train it anymore. Like I feel like you really do. You do have to train it. Maybe his point is just that you don't have to train it that much maybe instead of doing eight hours of jujitsu a week you really only need to do like i don't know four or two probably three it makes more sense right i mean if that's your point and you're doing like drilling of techniques three hours out of the week and you're not really a jujitsu heavy fighter i guess that makes sense for you right um and i don't have a problem with that that opinion like that argument i mean he might be right i mean if you think about it okay how many champions do we have that are wrestling oriented like let's really think about this for a second okay let's just name the current champions john jones right uh john jones wrestling oriented Cejudo before he retired wrestling oriented right um habib wrestling oriented even his challenger gaichi wrestling oriented um kamaro usman wrestling oriented the champion before him wrestling like they were all wrestlers. All these guys. Now, mind you, Tyron Woodley has a black belt in jiu-jitsu. John Jones has a, what is it, a purple belt in jiu-jitsu. Um, a lot of these guys are, are, I mean, Robert Whitaker has a brown belt in jiu-jitsu. So, so, like, even though he's not a wrestler, so I shouldn't even say his name there. But my point is basically this. Like, it seems that these guys have more than just wrestling. But one thing that is definitely true is that none of them are like Charles Oliveira. None of them are out there like, oh, well, you know, I'm just a jujitsu ace. And I'm also a champion. Like, it doesn't work that way. Kamaru Usman's probably not a black belt. I don't know what belt level he is, but he's not known for his jujitsu. Kamaru Usman literally doesn't even have striking that, that that's that great, right? He just wrestled his way to the top of the the world division in in MMA like that's it so i mean if you were going to pick anything that is probably the most important for winning and survival in MMA it's got to be wrestling i don't know how you could get around it like i really don't know how you could find a better there is no better foundation like there's just it doesn't exist like if you don't wrestle you're fucked at some point, you're fucked. It's not like, like, if you will be fucked. It's like, no, no, when? You will be fucked. Like, somebody's going to come along. If you're lucky, nobody will come along who's a wrestler in your division, if you're lucky. But most likely, eventually, some wrestler is just going to rise from the ashes and tear everybody's asshole apart. Like, that's what's going to happen. And it's interesting to me that that is the case, uh, especially because it's like a lot of these wrestlers I find, like they probably didn't even think like, oh, I'm going to do MMA. I just like to wrestle. Right. And then there are people who are like, oh, I'm going to do MMA, but they don't, they don't really take like a lot of time to wrestle. And I think, 
I think that the like MMA is an interesting sport because a lot of it is just like okay, well, what did you get put into as a youth? Like, what was your what was your youth activity? If you just started to do wrestling because you wanted to do wrestling, you just conveniently happened to have the perfect base for MMA. But if you were like a soccer player or a football player, for example, you have like not the best base. Football players, I've noticed, are extremely explosive and powerful. So they've got a decent base in that they will fuck you up. Like if a football player hits you in the face, you're going out like like they will end your life. Um, so that's like a decent base. However, they're still missing uh, like a lot of striking pedigree and, and, and the wrestling as well, right? Like even if you're strong, if you don't really know how to move your body, it's not, it's not the same thing, right? When it comes to grappling. So, and then jujitsu guys, it's like, they've got, they've got insane skills on the ground. So they will just choke out like 80% of their opposition, but 20% is going to be either on the same level as them jujitsu wise, or they're going to be wrestlers who they just can't even hold down. So it like neutralizes their jujitsu. So it's like the wrestlers just win. Like at the end of the day, the wrestlers would just win because it's really not that hard for a wrestler to take you down, especially if you aren't the kind of individual who has done any wrestling. And even if you can get back up to your feet again, they'll just they'll just take you down again. And they'll just exhaust you and then beat you up and, and win on points. And that's just what they'll do. And they'll do that because they can. Because they woke up one day and they realized, oh, there's this sport called MMA where a bunch of like chumps who just want to fight, who don't have any idea how to do a fucking uh, a high crotch are going to get into a cage. And I can just body these guys all day. So, I mean... Look, man, I'm, I'm, anybody who's listening to this, if you are really serious about fighting, listen, you need to give yourself a three-year plan. Like if you're, okay, say you're like 23 and you want to fight in the UFC or Bellator or some big promotion. I'm going to tell you what you, you need to do right now. This is my fucking personal opinion, what you need to do, okay? You need to be wrestling like three to four days a week for a year. I'm talking like you need to, okay, like, like you shouldn't even, like if you can just not even do anything else and just wrestle, that's what you need to do. I'm so serious. You need to compete as much as you can. You need to learn everything you can about wrestling. You need to train like a wrestler for a year. Just do that. Don't focus on anything else. If you want to watch fights and shit like that. And if you have free time and you want to go to like a striking class or a jujitsu class or whatever, okay, fine. But I'm talking like if you are seriously trying to do this as like your lifestyle, fuck everything else for one year, just one year and do nothing but wrestling. Okay. You do that. Then you get into, uh, in my personal opinion, I would say jujitsu just because First off, I just fucking love jujitsu. So it's like, I'm, I'm biased, honestly. Like, that's a biased answer. I'm just owning this right now. It's biased. That's why I'm saying that. But I do actually genuinely believe that if you want to be a complete fighter, like, you should you should actually train jujitsu pretty frequently in the sense that it's like, you need to be able to finish the fight everywhere. I cannot tell you how many times I've seen somebody on the ground 
with their opponent in a vulnerable position. Like the other day, what was his name? Um, Laziz, I think it was. Uh, oh my God, what is his first name? Munir Laziz has this guy down in the perfect Von Flute choke position. I think it was at least two times. I think maybe three times he had his opponent in the Von Flute position. He literally could have just brought his arm up and the other one across the back of the neck and just put his hands together, driven his shoulder into his opponent's trachea and just choked him unconscious. Easy. Easy. But he doesn't train jujitsu enough to know how to do that. And, and the thing about jujitsu is that it's not even enough to know sort of how a submission is done. There are so many little intricacies and details that if you do not practice or at least visualize and think about enough, you're just not going to do them. You're not going to remember to do them. In the middle of a fight, you're going you're gonna to skip steps. You're going to be lazy. So my whole thing is it's just like if you don't really train jujitsu like that, you're not going to understand like the dimensions of the body that you're working with in front of you. I have found... And I'm a white belt, but I have found that the more I train jujitsu, the quicker I recognize positions. So if I'm training jujitsu three to four times a week, three weeks into that, I know what position I'm in immediately and exactly what to do. Constantly attacking, constantly transitioning, constantly trying to better my position. Wrestling is more about holding somebody down or taking them down. Jiu-Jitsu is about working with what you have in front of you once you have them on the ground. And in my personal opinion, that's 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 an edge. Like, that's a beneficial thing that you're going to want, okay? Or at least that's what I would want. Plus, Jiu-Jitsu is just hella fun. But um, the next thing I would say that you need to, like, actually, you know, bring in right away, probably even before boxing... Uh, or any kind of fancy like Taekwondo type kicks, Muay Thai. That is the order I believe you should do it in. And I'm talking like wrestling for a year, wrestling in jujitsu for like half a year, and then work in Muay Thai and work that for a year and a half straight. And then you do your amateur debut. And then you win every single fight that you have at amateur. And then you get to go to Bellator or the UFC or one championship or whatever it is. And you continue to build and work on those skills. You alternate those things that you work. And you get more time as, you know, you know what I'm saying? You, you don't work a regular job anymore. You become an actual fighter. So you got you can work all the wrestling and all the jujitsu and all the striking that you want as long as you're repairing your body. That is like... The ideal, I believe, for somebody who has not been in these martial arts for their entire life. It's different for people who have been wrestling or doing jujitsu or doing striking since they were like 16 years old. A lot of guys are getting into this late now, right? Uh, obviously, we're going to see a totally different generation like 10 years from now. 10 years from now, the UFC is going to be crazy because they're going to have a bunch of kids who are 16 right now who are now... MMA competent to a degree, hopefully if they're smart, are going to think, okay, wrestling is what I need to get into. Everyone's going to be able to wrestle. Everyone. Everyone is going to be able to wrestle. Arguably, most people are going to understand jujitsu very well. Most people are probably going to know sort of how to strike, but everyone is going to wrestle at, at, at a certain point. I believe that to be true. Um, so it's different for all of them. But for like people who are just trying to do this now, that is my advice. That's what I think it would work. That's the formula right there.
Um, oh, another thing. And this will probably, I mean, if, if anybody's listening to this and you're actually taking this advice right now, your cardio is so important. If you don't get your cardio up via wrestling, which is hopefully another thing that happens, uh, I think that cardio is also a foundation that you need. You should never lose a fight because you're tired. If you lose a fight because you're tired, like that is just embarrassing because it's like, like for, for yourself, like to you, like you should be embarrassed at yourself. Nobody else is going to like talk trash about you unless you get, I don't know, gassed out halfway through the second round. People may talk badly about you if you do that. But um, what I would say is that... You are going to be disappointed in yourself simply because you could have won a fight, but you lost just because you didn't want to be uncomfortable on cardio day. That is going to eat you alive. I would say that first year when you're doing your wrestling, make sure that you're doing those extra rounds. Don't kill your muscles. Don't get injuries, you know, because you're going too hard. But if, if they're like, okay, who wants to get shark tanked? You need to volunteer for that. Shark tanking is when one guy you know, takes on, you know, two guys, not at the same time, but one, you know, there's, so there's one guy and then he takes on person number one, okay, or, or person A, and, you know, somebody gets pinned, whether it's person A or the individual who's being shark tanked, then that, that round is over, but immediately person B comes in, person B is fresh, and you, the person who's being shark tanked, just go with them right away, and you do that, you just alternate with A and B, you just keep taking fresh guys for five minutes or three minutes or however long the round is, do that because if you can do that, get used to just grappling with fresh bodies when you're tired, you're, you don't have to worry about somebody being, you know, a Colby Covington on you, you know, five years down the line from now in a, in a, in a championship fight or a fight that's going to get you up to a, to a title shot. You don't have to worry about your cardio. Once you don't have to worry about your cardio, it, it, it all becomes less about pacing yourself and more about just executing. You don't have to worry like, oh, okay, well, if I throw too many punches now, then I'm not going to be able to finish the fight later. Don't worry about that. You can put the gas down on your opponents and just and just wear them out. So yeah, that's another foundation. Cardio is important, I believe. That's my that's my personal philosophy when it comes to that. Um, but yeah, I would say three years. Like if you seriously want to be if you want to be competitive, and mind you, it's like three years to just even get started, right? Because then you got to recognize that you got to go through all of your amateurs fights. And if you have like four fights a year, right? You need maybe eight, maybe, 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 maybe you need like five or six amateur fights. That's like a year and a half, maybe amateur fights. If you're good enough, you might go pro. At that point, you're probably going to need like another two years to actually to actually get on the UFC or Bellator's radar or something like that. So you're really looking at like five to five to eight years before you debut. So you could be debuting at like 28 or like 27 or something like that. You know what I mean? Uh, if you're starting in like your 20s. But um, I don't know. That's just that's the way to do it. I think if you're th if you're thinking like you want to be a champion, like if you just if you're impatient and you just want to fight then you could probably do it in half that time. You know what I mean? Just like get in there before you think you're ready and you, maybe your fights are going to be tougher, but you know, if you don't want to wait, like you don't have to wait. 
If you want to just burn through a division like Israel Adesanya, you're probably going to want to you're probably going to want to take the long road because you need you need to be so many leagues above your competition in order to get there that quickly. Like you need to be able to just run through people and in order to do that you really need to hone your abilities, which I guess another thing that I would say is that and this is where it gets kind of tough you would probably need to do like another martial art for some time before that so just taking israel adesanya's example right perhaps the thing to do would be to train wrestling and then some sort of striking in a lesser degree for the first year so that by the third year, you could have fights in Muay Thai or boxing or whatever it is to actually kind of sharpen your striking skills and then transfer to MMA. Maybe that would be the best idea. But it's a lot, man. You got to know so much. Like, there's just so much. There's just so much. And to know all of it, you really got to get a jump on that, man. To know all of it, you really got to... You gotta have a, you gotta have a jump on it. But striking is probably, I would say, the least important thing for starting. Uh, and the reason that I would say that is because I don't even think Justin Gaethje had any striking, any striking taught to him. Uh, for his, his first couple fights, like he did a bunch of amateur fights and I think even professional fights, without any striking coaching at all. So, just a thought. Maybe it actually isn't that important. Anyways, man, uh, I, it's it's just my opinion that wrestling is the most important. Uh, after that, it would probably be jujitsu, and then and then any kind of striking martial art. After that, is really just sort of the icing on the cake. Uh, I would want to say that maybe maybe maybe. Muay Thai is more important than jujitsu in the sense that you could get by with just wrestling and Muay Thai, like much farther than you could with just wrestling and jujitsu. So probably Muay Thai is actually more important than jujitsu, which would put jujitsu in, in third place for importance, unfortunately. But look, man, if we're talking about what's going to make a fighter, that's, that's the truth of the matter. If you've got Muay Thai and wrestling, you don't need... You really don't, like, there's not much else you need. You don't need karate. You don't need jujitsu to win fights. Like, if you got all that, you'll be all right. Anyways, man, that was just a thought I had listening to Michael Chandler. We got, we got all kinds of crazy stuff going on. We got all kinds of nuts shenanigans, everybody. Um, we got... DC versus Stipe. I think DC's winning that fight. We got Gaethje versus Habib. And that's October 24th. I actually think that Gaethje's winning this fight. Okay, I feel like I should explain that. Listen, man. I'm being kind of influenced by, by something my friend had said as well. He thinks that Gaethje is going to take Habib out. And I, I, I didn't I, I didn't know if I believed him at first. 
But Gaethje has been wrestling since he was a kid. A. B. He was a D1. D1 wrestler. Like he wrestled D1, okay? NCAA. I don't see Habib being able to just maul somebody like that. I just don't see it. I don't see how he's going to be able to keep Gaethje on the ground for five rounds if he was a D1 wrestler. I just don't know how he's going to be able to do that. For that reason, I mean, especially when somebody like Conor McGregor was able to, at the very least, slow down the takedown game. With that being said, it's going to be on the feet at some point. At some point, Habib is not going to be able to keep that fight down there, and they're going to have to bang on the feet. And it is just a no-brainer that Gaethje has better hands than Habib. He just does. Not only that, he's got the power to put people to sleep. Habib is not going to get one punch knocked out. That is not what's going to happen. But he is going to get touched the fuck up. He is going to get touched the fuck up. And if this fight goes the way that I think it might, it won't be a knockout. It will probably be a decision win in which Gaethje is fighting off takedowns and getting up for the whole fight. But when he does get up, he manages to land, you know, a decent amount of blows, significant amount of blows to the point where Habib might get rocked and shoot in for a takedown. Actually, honestly, if Gaethje times it up, he could knock Habib out. But I think that Gaethje's going to win that fight. I have a feeling that Gaethje's going to win. And I think that people like Gaethje are actually the future of the UFC. I'm going to say this right now. Justin Gaethje is literally, like, if you could take the UFC extract from, like, 2006, 2007, if you could just take all of that Spike TV energy, that just fucking, that badass, just alpha male fucking, just, just, just meathead, just angry, face the pain, metal, new metal shit, if you could just take all of that you know, put it into a syringe and just inject it into 2020. That is what Justin Gaethje is. Justin Gaethje is every UFC fighter's favorite kind of kind of fighter. He's new era, old era, and everything in between. He's just he just wants to bang. He doesn't give a fuck. He's got all the skills he needs to to survive on the ground, and he just chooses to throw hands anyways. That's what the UFC is gonna. B in terms of fighting style, but Gaethje just as an individual is just UFC, just UFC in, uh, manifest, right? But everyone is going to be a wrestler at some point, and it's going to be a lot of like standing battles because everyone can wrestle, so they're not going to turn it into a wrestling fight. People are just going to stand and bang. That's probably what's going to happen at some point, or we're going to have lots of fights like that in the future, I think. Which, I mean, hey man, that's exciting. That's exciting. Anyways, that's going down. And uh, I think Connor announced that his last fight is going to be in February. And that uh, he's auctioning off some of his apparel. And, and I, look, man, I, honestly, I feel like every time I talk about Connor McGregor, it's almost not every time because I've actually said some pretty nice things about him. But. Look, man, Joe Rogan made a post talking about how he's excited for the greatest lightweight of all time to fight Justin Gaethje. 
Conor McGregor said something like, calm down, I had a hangover, or something like that. Basically alluding to the, alluding to the fact that the loss that he took to Habib, you know, you know, it doesn't, doesn't make Habib the greatest of all time because I had a hangover when I fought Habib. You know, I'm the greatest. Look, okay, listen, listen, listen. I, I think that Conor is just smart. You know what I think? I think that it's, it's one of a couple things. Conor is just either so smart to say, this is going to be my last fight in February. Um, to sort of get everybody on board to to want to watch it, like okay, so all of this hype from now to February, like oh my god, it's Conor McGregor's last fight, right? He's gonna fight in February, right? Last one. Who is he fighting? I don't even know. And then when he wins that or whatever, when he wins that, see that's the that's the amount of like confidence or faith I have in Conor McGregor, right? When he wins that, I don't know why he would choose all the way in February. It makes no sense to me. Uh, but when he wins that, he he basically can decide whether or not he wants to come back and fight again. Uh, at that point, he could make the decision to try and fight Habib or whoever has the lightweight strap. You know what I'm saying? And and, and try to reclaim the... the, the uh, title of the greatest lightweight of all time. The problem with what he's doing right now with commenting that on Joe Rogan's Instagram post is that honestly, man, like, and look, man, I love Conor McGregor. I have said many times that he's actually one of the greatest things that has ever happened to the sport of MMA. I mean, think about how mainstream MMA is now today and think about how, like, how how closely MMA's rise to the to the to the acceptable ESPN like state. I mean, even though they had Fox News before, had something to do with Conor McGregor and how he has become a, a household name. Okay, I know people who don't even understand what a takedown is, but they know who Conor McGregor is. Okay, Conor McGregor is literally like probably one of the most like one the most important fucking thing. One of the most important fucking things that have has ever happened to the UFC. Separate and aside from something like the Ultimate Fighter or the fight between Forrest Griffin and Stefan Bonner, for example. GSP, for example. These are like individuals who have had a huge impact on the sport. But Conor McGregor is right up there. It was like one of the most important things. All that being said, man, like... Sometimes he does things and I'm like, look, bro, like, I love you, but like, you can't no, you can't say some of the shit that you're saying. He's going to try to say that he had a hangover <laughs> and that Habib isn't the greatest of all time, but that, but that he is. I don't know what you guys think about that, but honestly, like it, he just seems like salty. He just seems salty. He seems salty, man. And for me, it's like, not only does he seem salty, he seems like he's in denial. It's like, Connor, like, you can't, you can't be like, oh, I had a hangover and expect everyone to respect that, that, that comment, man. I'm like, <laughs> I'll tell you right now, I don't really respect that comment. 
You know what I'm saying? I guess you don't like Habib, but it just makes you look kind of weak, like weak minded. Like you're not like you're not comfortable with the fact that Joe Rogan is going to have an opinion that doesn't place you at the top. And you got to you got to say something about it and, and come and defend yourself. And it's just like, man, you lost that fight. I'm not saying that you can't beat him. You know, who knows? Like. Maybe you've been practicing your wrestling every day for 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 two years. I don't fucking know, but um, you 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 lost the fight, man. Like you can't come out here talking like that and expect people to just back you because I'm not gonna do it. There are a lot of Conor McGregor fans out there who are like, "Yo, Habib is fucking Habib is soft, bro." Like, "Yo, yo, Habib ain't shit." Like, but the truth is, he won. <laughs> so So that's all I got to say, bro. I mean I just I I I need Connor to I need Connor to accept that like like right now he is not the greatest lightweight of all time. Like he has to accept this. You know? Or 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 maybe if he doesn't want to accept it, not come out here trying to convince the rest of us by you know, throwing out bullshit excuses about hangovers, man. Look, if you were hungover, that's not Habib's fault. You fucked up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's like, bro, I love you. I love you. I really do. But like, when you say shit like that, I'm like, man, I, I can't, you know? It's like fucking Mike Perry. Like, you love the guy, but you got to tell him like, look, man, you're dumb as fuck for fucking punching old dudes. Mike, you can't do shit like this. I like you, but like, it doesn't matter how much I like you. If what you're doing just doesn't make any sense, man, like you can't do that. Anyways, man, I love Connor. I do. I love the guy and I really want him to come back and fight. I really want him to fight. I love watching Connor McGregor fight. We all do. We all love Connor McGregor. He's, he's, he's literally like, if you're going to talk about top five favorite fighters, Conor McGregor is probably in there somewhere, right? At least, at least for most people, he's in there somewhere. Or like top five, like most exciting fighters to watch. Like Conor McGregor is definitely in there. If there is ever a Conor McGregor fight, everyone is watching it. No one is not watching that fight. If anybody was like, oh, <laughs> like, hey, you want to come to the bar? We're watching Conor McGregor fight. Uh, nah, I'm just going to watch uh, Grey's Anatomy and eat some pizza. They'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Yeah, no, you watch those fights, man. Conor McGregor is, 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 is one of the greatest of all time. There's no way that you ignore that. But you know what I think Conor's got to do? I mean, Conor's really, like, if he's really trying to fight in February, like, even if, like, like let's be straight here, okay? Conor's either got to fight in February for the title, if it's his last fight, or he's got to fight Habib if Habib loses, which I think he will. And if he can avenge that loss, he people may say something like, well, someone beat Habib, so necessarily Conor is not the greatest of all time. But I would argue something like, Habib is so specific that there's kind of like a... Uh, There's almost like 
it's kind of like a niche effect. Like somebody who could beat Habib couldn't beat Connor is what I'm trying to say. So like Gaethje, he's got good enough wrestling that he's not going to get taken down, let's say. But Connor's got good enough striking that if he fight if he fought Gaethje, he you know whoop his ass or something, maybe knock him out, right? Which I think is probably what would happen. Connor's a better striker than Gaethje, I would imagine. Um. So I th I can see how Connor might be able to justify like, okay, well, you all know that I would probably be Gaethje. You know, and I can kind of get away with saying that I'm the greatest lightweight of all time if I beat Habib. If Habib isn't a champion at the time. I can see him doing that. I don't know if he would do that. I think that maybe his competitive spirit and his drive to be the best would make it so that he feels like he needs to fight for the belt. But I know that he might not be able to have it both ways. Like, he might have to fight for the belt or fight Habib, but not both. Unless he's planning to fight two more times which i mean hey man I'm, i'd be all for that but um yeah man i mean the guy the guy really doesn't um the guy does not fight all that often he, he fought he fought he fought in 2018 he fought in 2020 and he's, he's gonna fight in 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 2021 so We'll see what he does. We'll see what he chooses. Um, I don't know what he's going to do, but I'm looking forward to it, whatever it is. I'm glad that he's, like, not fucking retiring anymore, and he's just he's just being straight with everybody. Like, look, man, I'm going to... I'm going to fight. I'm just I'm taking my time with it. I'm okay with that. Fuck it. I don't, I, don't, I don't give a shit. That's fine with me. Um, What else is going on in the world, man? What else is going on? I see I usually write down the things that I want to talk about, but uh today I just uh I almost forgot to do the fucking the fucking pod today, man. I was like I don't know. Oh yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about. So Cody Garbrandt Cody Garbrandt is uh saying he's gonna drop down to one twenty five, fight Davison Figueredo. He wins that fight. He wins that fight unless his body is compromised because of the weight cut. If he can make the weight without um, compromising himself, he wins that fight. Th that's the concern I have. It's It could be Dillashaw all over again. It really could be Dillashaw all over again. Um... And honestly, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, right? So I'm going to make that prediction. If he goes down there to 125, he's going to lose because his body's not going to be able to handle it. You go from 135 to 125, something happens to you. That'll be my prediction. All right? Because it happened once before. Um... But honestly, man, if he looks good on that night, I'm telling you, like, if he doesn't look like it's it's affected him at all, there's just no way that Figueredo is going to outstrike him. Like, that's an easy belt. Easy belt. Honestly, if you're going to put some money on that fight, you, you, you really should be putting it on, um... I mean, actually, I mean, like, in the... Hmm. 
in terms of an upset, if you really want to take the risk, you put it on Figueredo because he might be compromised, right? Because he's dehydrated. But like sensically in terms of skill, like you put it on Cody every time. And then he says he's going to come back up and he's going to try to challenge um, Jan for the belt. Now that fight... Look, man, I don't think we can forget who Garbrandt is. If we're going to talk about who's got hands, like really talk about who's got hands, Garbrandt has hands. All right. Jan is good. Jan is good. But I don't think he's he's Cody Garbrandt like tier yet. I don't think he's ready for that yet. And maybe I'm putting too much stock into what Cody Car Garbrandt is capable of. But I don't know if Jan I don't know if Jan is gonna be able to take him out like that. I think that would be a great fight. I think it would be a phenomenal fight. And I don't think it would go five rounds. Somebody's going to sleep. Um Never seen Yan rock though, so who knows, man? Maybe he's just got that chin. Actually, that's not true. I think I have seen Yan rocked. Anyways, man, that would be exciting. I would be excited for that. But let's just see how that plays out. So Chiamev, this guy's I don't even know his first name. This guy, this guy. This guy, I don't even know his first name. Um, this guy is like a superstar now. I think he's had two wins in the UFC, and people are losing their minds. And, um, I mean, I watched this fight. Look, the dude is good. The dude is good. I mean, if you're going to, like, just chew through somebody like that in a round, like, you're you're solid. You're solid, you know. But he hasn't fought anybody, really. Um, And so the fact that he's like so hyped, like so hyped, it's nuts. I can't even believe it. Like I'm seeing his face everywhere. And I don't know if it's because he's got like the face for it in the sense that like he's got that lip and it makes him look hard. You know what I'm saying? It makes him look tough. And he's just like the new Habib almost. People are like, oh my God, it's Habib 170. Oh my God. People are, like, losing their fucking shit over this guy. You know, maybe that's why there's so much hype. Maybe that's why I'm seeing him everywhere. Maybe that's why I'm seeing fucking article headings that say, oh, we're trying to find, you know, a, a way to fit GMF in the UFC 252. Like, they're trying to shove this guy on fucking pay-per-view cards now and shit. He's at two fucking victories, and they're like, yo, let's get this guy in there. Um, What do I think about that? I mean, look, man. He looked good to me. And he talks like he's going to smish everybody. So I can't say that he's 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 actually, you know, 100% all hype. But um I will say that I mean, wow, he he really is probably like the definition of a hype fighter. You get two fights. Your second fight is against somebody who has never had a UFC fight before. Ever. And who is arguably not a wrestler by trade. 
you dust them, no surprise. And everyone is talking about how you were like the fucking shit. So you know what? Actually, I didn't see his first fight. I only seen his second fight against Reese. And so I'm going to say this. It is hype. As of right now, it is hype. I mean, if you dust Reese, some newcomer to the UFC who was told on 10 days notice to come and fight you, I'm not that impressed. Um, so as of right now, I will say it's hype just because I've only seen the one fight and, you know, okay, he can wrestle. Congratulations. But uh, who knows, man? He could just be another Kamaru Usman, some guy who just comes in and wrestles everybody to death. You know, we've seen that before. So it's possible I could be wrong about that. You know, I could be wrong. Um, you know, last thing we're going to talk about Habib wants to fight. Gaethje and then GSP and you know what I think guys I think that's it I think Habib is done I really don't think he cares that much about about fighting anymore like it's over it's over man like all of the nah man it's done Habib is going to fight two times. He's going to fight. He's going to fight GSP. And he's not going to wait around for Connor. He's going to dip the fuck out. And the reason he's going to do that is because he doesn't even fucking like. He doesn't give a fuck about Connor. This guy. This guy. He doesn't care about him at all. And it's like. Man, Habib's head. He is so humble. He is so humble and, and, and uh, pious. Like. There's no, like, Conor McGregor doesn't even enter his mind. And if he does, if Conor does enter his mind, it's like in a way where he's just like, man, bun. I was about to say bun that. Shake my head. He's just like, yo, who cares about this guy? Who cares about him? I don't care about him. I actually have more to gain from not fighting him because I know it'll piss him off than fighting him again. That's probably how Habib looks at it. And he doesn't have anything to prove with anybody. You know? But, um... I don't know. Maybe if he loses to Gaethje, it'll be different, right? If he loses to Gaethje, I don't know if he's gonna fight GSP. He might fight GSP, or he might try to get that, that belt back. Who knows? Who knows? But yeah, man, I think he's gonna retire. Like, why wouldn't you, right? What do you have, what do you really, like, have left to do or prove? And it's like, that's even also why it's like, for Connor, I, I kind of understand why he's not fighting as much. Or why he's talking about retiring as well. Because it's like, you were already, like, a two-belt champion, even though you didn't really have any defenses. Like, you were the first one to do that. You were the first one to have the two belts. You know, you fought one of, the, you know, Habib. The only thing I can say that Connor might want to stick around for is just beating Habib and, and getting the belt back. But, you know, separate and aside from that, like, why the fuck is he, you know what I'm saying? Why? 
Like what? After a point, man, it just becomes like, well, I already did it. Like it's like it's like if you win a Super Bowl, like the next season, you know, isn't as important to you, is it? <laughs> you already did it. Like even if you lose this football game, you're gonna go home and you're like, oh, look at that ring. <laughs> I didn't win this time, but uh, at least I got one. You know what I mean? Like, it's not going to bother you nearly as much, man. And I think that that's how both of them are probably going to feel. Like, even Connor. I think Connor's going to be a little bit bitter about the whole Habib thing. Because I can tell you, I mean, he's, he's got that ego where, it, like, it's going to hurt him a bit. But look, man, Connor, honestly, you, you have literally won so fucking hard. Like, it's just impossible not not to, I don't know how he could be upset with any of what he's gone down with, man. You're the most successful MMA fighter in the history of mankind. You're the most famous fighter ever. People will know your name. For the next century. It really does not matter that you lost to Habib. <laughs> That's what I think. Like, it matters to him now. But, like, I hope he understands that, like, he's literally set his family up for forever. Like, unless he just gets one, you know, shitty grandchild who blows all of his money or something. He's literally branded. Man. You won, man. Like, you won. You did it. It's time to sit back and just enjoy. Right? Anyways, man. These are, uh... These are our champions, man. These are our superheroes. I was thinking about that the other day. MMA fighters are the closest thing to superheroes that we have. Athletes generally, but for me, it's MMA, MMA fighters. Because they can do incredible things that just leave you in awe. You know? You gawk over them the same way you would gawk over a superhero. And they look invincible. Immortal, man. And they have immortal moments. Are we ever going to forget? When McGregor held up those belts. Are we ever going to forget? When Israel Adesanya took his? Are we ever going to forget Whaley versus Joanna? No. That shit will live forever. For as long as human beings have the capability to recount experience through media, those fights will live on forever. Those moments will live on forever. And that is a crazy thing. Anyways, man, combat addict out.